Well, if you have your Bibles or your devices, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're in uh, 1 Peter. For you that, uh, for our guests especially, we have been walking through this letter called 1 Peter that Peter wrote first century Christians who were suffering. They were, they were, uh, their faith was being pushed a whole lot. And uh, Peter comes along and tells them, listen, this is not home. You're strangers and aliens here. You're foreigners, sojourners making your way through here. But let me tell you how special you are. You're treasured of God. You are treasured of God. All that you are going through has a purpose. Now, I, I want to remind all of us in this room, we're all missionaries, okay? Now, many of you may never be a missionary in a foreign land, but you're a missionary right where you are. We've talked about that at your work, at your school, in your neighborhood. You are a missionary. You're the only one that God can get into particular areas to show his love and grace and mercy to people. And so just just let that sink in. All of you in this room are missionaries, okay? We're living life on mission. So how do we begin to do that so that we please God in all that we're doing so that we're walking that out? Well, today we come to chapter 4. And uh, I really believe Peter is really starting to tighten the screws a little bit on, listen, time is short. And uh, what are you going to be able to do? How do you redeem the time that is there? And uh, so I'm going to talk fast to be able to get this in. But First Peter chapter 4, let's read verses 1 through 6. And uh, let's see what the Lord has for us today. First Peter chapter 4. Verses 1 through 6. Remember, these people are suffering for the sake of the gospel. And so it says, therefore, because you're going through this, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable uh, idolatry, they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you. But they will, will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead, for this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Well, we're going to unpack this a little bit, but let me kind of get you uh, on the right page. All of us have 168 hours in a week. We all have the same amount of time. And, and the average lifespan today, and listen, somebody's going to be older than this, and you're going to think, man, I'm just living on borrowed time, is 79 years of age today. It, that's what they say is the average lifespan. So if you're beyond that, praise God. And uh, for the rest of us that haven't gotten there yet but that are getting closer, it's just, it's just uh, that's what it is. And we all have the same amount of time. And so when that time starts to get pushed a little bit, what do you do with that time? You spend a third of your time, a third of your life will be spent sleeping. There will be uh, 30 hours a week uh, are spent almost in the car, just driving around. Uh, you, you spend time in, in traffic, you spend time grooming, you spend time eating, you spend time, all this stuff that you have to do, and so there's only so much discretionary time. 
And if you've been out on I-35 or on 130 and you're going to work in the traffic and you look, isn't it amazing how people multitask? I mean, I've seen ladies putting makeup on. I've seen people reading books. I've seen people uh, shaving. I mean, and they're driving. So why do we do that? Because we want to redeem the time as much as possible to multitask. Life is, in, in Peter's opinion, life is short. Your time of effectiveness is short. Even if Jesus doesn't return, your lifespan is still short. How are you going to redeem that time to be the missionary God intends for you to be in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school? You've got limited time. How is that going to happen? And I believe he gives four things in this passage that I want to give to you right quick. Number one, you can write this down. Resist sin. Resist sin. Notice what he says in verse uh, 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Arm yourself. That's a military term. Get radical with sin. Jesus even said, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right arm offends you, cut it off. Better to lose a member of the body than for your whole body to be uh, sent to hell. That's what Jesus said. But, but the basic thing is this, is that you know as well as I do. I've been a Christian for a long time. I have sinned more since I became a Christian than before. But the deal is this. It's always a battle, is it not? And what, the, what Peter is saying, listen, you need to get radical with the sin areas of your life. Get Get armor up. You need to get armored up to, to go and fight this because it's going to be a radical battle and it's going to be until the day you die. And when we don't deal with it, as Christians, we become ineffective. And we try to cover it and the drain of covering it just kills us. Because we think, oh, if nobody finds out uh, this about me, instead of coming and repenting and confessing to the Lord and dealing with it, but Peter is saying, listen, and when he says you're done with it, it means the penalty of your sin as a Christ follower can never be held against you. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And some of people are saying, yeah, Mark, but why do I still fall on a daily basis? The penalty has been dealt with. He has given you his Holy Spirit for you to deal with the power to break that power in your life, that you don't have to walk under it. But you've got to become radical with it. There was a, a man who was wounded in the Civil War, and he was wounded bad enough that we, his commanding officer said, listen, you need to go to the rear of the troops. You need to go to the back. You need to go to the rear so that because you're wounded, you cannot be on the front. And he was back there, and sure enough, buzz, bullets were still whizzing by him back in the rear. So he came, and he found his commander, and he says, commander, I would just as soon rather come up here because there is no rear in this battle. In other words, there, wherever you are, if you're saying, oh, I, I won't be tempted anymore. I'm going to move to where a place I'm not tempted. Let me tell you, it's still going to be there. You cannot hide from it. I don't, I don't, I, it doesn't matter if you want to cloister and your family go live in a compound somewhere. Sin is still going to haunt you. You've got to get radical. You need to resist it. That's what Peter says right from the get-go. He says you need to resist sin. I, I, I found this quote this week, and I don't have the, the one who said it originally, but, man, it, it just struck me. In the New Testament, they ask, what must I do to be saved? 
Today, today people ask, what can I do and still be saved? We try to get away with things instead of walking in holiness. Resist sin. Number two is this right quick. Relish God's will. Notice what he says in verse two. He says, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. God has a plan and he's working that plan out and he wants you involved in that plan, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your workplace. He has a plan for you in the midst of that. But we have turned the will of God into something so spooky and mystical. God, whom should I marry? Whom, whom should I, where should I go to school? Where should I, yeah, God has a plan in that. But the will of God is something you live out on a daily basis. So here's, here's something for you in finding the will of God. Look where God's at work and get on board with Him. Look where He's working and just join Him. And somebody's gonna say, but Mark, I don't know if my giftings work into that. I don't have my strengths and talents to do that. Get on board with God and where He's working. Let me tell you, He can give you the gifts. He can give you what you need. He just needs your availability more than your ability. He just wants you to be there. Relish in the will of God. Mark Twain said this. He said, they're, they're the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Let me tell you, you were created for God's glory. You were created for His good pleasure. Not just not for you to get the chills and jollies all of life. You were created for God's pleasure. And somebody's going to say to me, I believe the safest place to be is in the will of God. Really? Really? Tell that to all those people in Hebrews chapter 11 that gave their life for the faith. Tell that to the martyrs we talked about last week. It is not the safest place to be in the center of God's will, but I'm telling you it is the most satisfying, fulfilling place you will ever live is in the center of God's will. Relish God's will. And here's the interesting thing about Jesus. You, you read about Jesus' life in the Gospels, and I've gone back and I've reflected on this. Most of Jesus' miracles happened when disruptions came into his life. Jesus was busy, but he was not, never hurried. There's a difference. We live our lives like one of those little snow scenes that are shook up all the time. Jesus was busy, but he wasn't hurried. Look at Zacchaeus, the, the wee little man, right, that we sing about. He climbed up in a tree. That was a disruption, but Jesus saw God's will in the disruption. The blind men that are crying out to Jesus to come by the side of the road and to heal them. That was a disruption, but God's will was in the disruption. We have our lives so planned out on a daily basis that if anything comes into it, we never stop. And how many times do we miss what God wants for us? Look where God's at work. Get on board with him. Number three is this. Renounce your past. Renounce your past. And notice what he says in verse three. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless while living and the heap, the heap abuse on you. 
isn't it amazing that somebody that's involved in a sin pattern in their life, especially a lifestyle pattern, that they that they whether it's an addiction or whatever, that they want to drag you down with them, and that makes them feel better by dragging you in. They don't feel lonely, right? They they bring you into that, and that's what he's saying. They're they're wanting to use your past to bring this in. And and I think what Peter is getting across is is that yes, you did some things in your past, but don't let that define who you are today. You got to cut that loose. You have a new identity in Christ. Satan loves to hold your past against you. He loves to come and say, "Yeah, remember what you used to do? Who are you to think that you can share the gospel with somebody? Who is who are you thinking that you can love somebody in the name of Jesus?" Who are you to think you can serve somebody? Remember what you used to be? And what do we do? We just buy into it. So we end up becoming ineffective because we've let our past become an anchor instead of cutting it loose and going forward. We have to renounce that. God, I'm not going to walk in that anymore. We we don't want to flirt with that. We we, want to stay this radical course that you called for us, Lord. I think sometimes... I, I think sometimes I think about our students and I think about our student ministry. I think about you, you, you neighbors from uh, from Round Rock High. I think sometimes what we've done with the faith is we have taken the radical part out of it and it's become boring. Instead of saying, "Okay, God, you have called me to something. I want to renounce my past and I want to passionately pursue you." The last one. Right quick is reach the lost. It says in verse 6, For this reason, for this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Let me let me tell you this. There is a day every human being is going to stand before a holy God. Everybody. Every, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everybody. But Mark, does that, believe, does that mean everybody gets to come forever into his presence? No, it does not. But everyone will one day stand before him. How are people going to hear the good news of Jesus, that he came, he loves them, he gave his life on a cross, and anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? How are they going to know if we do not tell them? They're not. The world's not going to present that. If you and I do not become light in the world to share the gospel, how are they going to know? You and I are called to do that. I think back about about uh, my years, even in high school. I remember, I remember somebody saying to me, you need to take ad- ad- advantage of opportunities to, with these friendships because once you're out of here, you're going to have very minimal uh, contact anymore. I thought, you know, I was arrogant. I was young. I, I, I thought, there's no way. I'm gonna, these are my friends for life. You know, today I can probably tell you maybe five of what they're doing today. It just reminds me of that close proximity that I have as a student to make a difference right now. And it's eternal. We've got to reach the loss. Look around you. Look around you to see those in your family, in your neighborhood, in your school that do not know Christ. 
Bob Harrington was known as the chaplain of Bourbon Street in New Orleans. He was that for many, many years. And uh, Bob Harrington said that there was one particular night, he was out on the interstate and he was driving, and he said it was a little foggy, but he could see something up ahead, saw some lights, and he saw a guy out in the road doing this. And he thought, man, that guy's crazy. And he said, I pulled over. And he came to my car and said, man, you're crazy. I could have run over you. What are you doing out on the road like that? He said, man, I had to stop. You see, the bridge is out right up there. And if I knew if I didn't do this, that you wouldn't stop. And Bob Harrington said for the rest of his night, he said he was that fool out in the middle of the interstate waving people down so that they would not go and go over the, the chasm where the bridge was. Listen, the bridge is out. Spiritually, the bridge is out. Jesus is the only answer. And you and I are called to reach the lost. Four things to redeem the time. Resist sin. Relish in the will of God. Renounce your past. Don't let it hold you back. And reach the lost. Guys, a great game Friday night. I was there. And uh, watching that game, I mean, it, it, man, you couldn't. At the end of regulation, time's out. It's 28-28. And I know y'all thought, you know, we shouldn't have got that far. 28-28, end of regulation. So they go into overtime. Stony Point gets the ball in overtime. They kick a field goal. Dragons go down, score a touchdown, win. Yeah, win. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So they end up winning, uh, winning the game 34-31, and they win the game because they had extra time. You do not have extra time in life. You only have what you have. How are you going to redeem the time? There may be somebody in this room that says, Mark, I have never made a decision for Jesus. But there's something inside of me that says that is my need. Yes, let me tell you, that is your need. Only through Jesus do you find true life and fulfillment of life. He went to the cross. He suffered immensely for you. Because he had to, it's because he loves you. And he's waiting for you to call upon him.